Guilt is often connected with shoulds. And when you have that thought pattern of I should be doing this or I should be doing that. If you do make time for your health, it's well, I should be doing something else. Or if you're doing this something else, it's well, I should be exercising. I should be cooking healthy meals. And it's this catch 22 that we get stuck in because women continue to experience this superwoman syndrome. Welcome to The Work In Between, the podcast that explores the topics and daily habits and actions that get us to our health-related goals. Whether you're trying to lose weight, improve your mental or emotional health, or working on your spiritual journey, you're in the right place. In 2021, I was diagnosed with diabetes and was morbidly obese. I was already a three-time cancer survivor, so I knew I had to do something to turn my life around. So I did. I lost over 100 pounds and began transforming my life inside and out. I'm living my best life, and I want you to live your best life, too. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Gretchen Holmes, and this is The Work in Between. The National Institutes of Health reports that women make about 80% of all health care decisions for their families. Despite that, a lot of women put their own health last. According to one survey... Up to 78% of women reported that they often delay taking care of themselves or getting their own health appointments made because they're too busy taking care of others. I don't think this is a surprise to anyone, but we need to do better. How do we change the belief or the attitude that taking care of ourselves is selfish? How do we get better at prioritizing our health? Further, if we manage to do that, What do we do about people in our lives who aren't so supportive, who may not want us to make those changes? If this resonates with you or someone you care about, I think you're going to find today's episode especially interesting and helpful. Today, I'm talking with Ashley Younghands Rudolonis, PhD, the founder of AJR and Company Consulting and a licensed clinical psychologist. Through coaching and therapy, she works with high-achieving women across the country to reinvigorate resiliency, support mental health, and improve core leadership skills. She believes women benefit when they move towards their values and understand how these values play out in their life choices. Previously, Dr. Junghans Rudolonis was an assistant professor of psychology in the Mayo Clinic School of Medicine and clinical director for a large Minnesota mental health system. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so excited to be here with you. I believe we met, one of us reached out to the other. I don't remember how we did that, but I think I saw a post that you made Mm -hmm. and I commented on it. And I have to say, I have met some of the most interesting, cool people on LinkedIn. And you're one of them. So the fact that you're on my show today, I'm just so excited about that. Well, thank you. This is wonderful for you to invite me. And yes, it was good to meet through LinkedIn and for us to take it past that, you know, liking a post or seeing something like that and really spend time getting to know each other and having Zoom calls. And so I'm happy to be here and share this time with you. Well, thank you so much. This topic, I think, resonates with a lot of people especially women. And I know you work specifically with women. So I know that you are going to have a lot to add to this conversation. 
But this is not a new problem. I believe yeah. it's more complicated than we think, though. I think when we think about we as women putting ourselves last, we make a lot of assumptions as to why that might be. But I'm guessing it's more complicated than we think it is. So why do you think we have such a hard time prioritizing our health? What's going on there? I think like so many things we'll talk about and so many things in women's health, there's there's multiple things going on. You know, there has been for a very long time messaging about traditional gender roles and caretaking. And that, you know, you brought up 78%, you said, of women delay their own health care while they are focused, you know, on others. So there is this general belief of put others first. I think that is a big part of it. And it goes into how we define ourselves and how we look at our own self-worth. That idea of I'll be fine, but I'm going to step in and care for those around me. So I think that's a big part. I think another part is that we are busy. We have very full schedules. <laughs> Work is creeping into our lives more than ever. And we are not setting aside time to prioritize our health in the same way that we are prioritizing our emails, our families, or other things in our lives. And then I think one part of conceptualizing health that is a challenge is it's just too big of a concept. It can be poorly defined. And just people, we don't do well with not knowing what something really means. It just gets pushed to the side. It's you know, I'll get to that another day. So I really think that there's multiple factors going on. Yeah, I agree. I talk with a lot of my friends who happen to be women. When I ask them, well, what have you done lately that helped you rejuvenate? Even take a few moments to not just take a nap, though naps are, are wonderful, but just what rejuvenates your soul? What fills you back up, let alone uh, taking time to go to the doctor and get your mammogram and, and get mm -hmm. all that stuff? And I ask them, what at least one small thing every day are you doing to prioritize even your own just quiet moment? And so many of them can't think of anything and go on to say how guilty they feel because they think they're being selfish because yes. somebody needs them. You know, if you have children, we know that's a 24-7 job. If you have a spouse, if you have family members who maybe live with you, let alone work or all the other commitments and extra things that we have to do. I'm trying to figure out how these incredibly smart, dynamic, dynamic, active, intelligent women are having trouble seeing this trap that we seem to allow ourselves to fall into all the time. I'm astounded at the level of guilt that mm -hmm. we seem to feel. Guilt is often connected with shoulds. And when you have that thought pattern of I should be doing this or I should be doing that. If you do make time for your health, it's well, I should be doing something else. Or if you're doing this something else, it's well, I should be exercising. I should be cooking healthy meals. And it's this catch 22 that we get stuck in because women continue to experience this superwoman syndrome. I can do it all for decades. That's what we had to do to be successful in business or partnerships, or we just had to take it all on. And that guilt that we're experiencing now is a result of that. I'm not quite sure how to respond sometimes to that level of guilt because we want to be supportive of our friends, our moms, our sisters, mm -hmm. our girlfriends, our daughters. So 
what should we start telling all of these people who are important to our lives? Because sometimes I think we can be supportive of others mm -hmm. because intellectually, again, we're giving, we're sharing, yeah. right? We're, we're giving of ourselves. And maybe if we approach it that way, we start listening to our own advice. But oftentimes, if we're able to reverse that in our heads and say, well, what would I tell somebody else in this situation? it can be a little bit easier to navigate that rather than what would I usually tell myself. But I think that there are a couple things that you know we can do to create some change, as you're saying, with this guilt. You know, first idea is reframing some of these shoulds and then also the idea of work-life balance. I just can't stand that term. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it is I hear the you. Worst. <laughs> I hear you. It's, it's just precarious. I, you know, it, that's not a secure thing it, when, you know, to keep something in balance, it can very easily go off balance. I mean, I don't even know what that means. I, I have I have no idea. And all it's done is create more guilt of uh, I'm not balancing things. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm working too hard. I'm working too, too hard giving, doing things for other people. And now I'm not even balancing that right. Correct. As we feel off balance, that just perpetuates itself and it's so negative and so guilty. But if we think work-life integration, allow ourselves to say, I'm going to focus in this area right now more heavily or in that area. I'm going to focus on my health a bit more, for example. And right now I have been over the past few months, I'm really setting aside time. I've been lifting heavy weights for the first time in my life, getting stronger, which feels incredible. And I'm doing that to prepare for a trip that my husband and I are taking. That's going to include a lot of walking, a lot of stairs. I didn't want to get to that trip and feel like I can't do this or I'm too tired and so I was able to look at, yes, this will be time away from my family when I'm at the gym or away from my business or things are going to have to shift. But I choose to integrate fitness into my life. And that was really then tied into what do I actually value right now? I value my health, I'm not saying weight. I'm not saying you know any of those things, but I value being a healthy individual. I value being around for my family. I value feeling good. That pushes me to get to that gym early in the morning. It pushes me through the guilt to say, I'm doing something that aligns my values. And it's going to be positive for the rest of areas of my life too. So really helping women tie into their expressing guilt. What does health even mean to them? What do they value about it? And getting more concrete can be a big helper. Also, just helping women slow down when that guilt is rolling to pause to see where is the guilt coming from? Is this coming from you? Is this coming from someone else in your life? But get at the heart of, why are you feeling guilty? That can help a little bit too. So those are some of those one-on-one -on -one or personal pieces that I think we can do to help women work through the guilt. Yeah, and I think those are really terrific suggestions. And something I hear that you're saying is being more intentional. So instead of just taking on this whole idea of work-life balance, which I do like the term integration better, it suggests that we are going to take the time. We're not just going to be reactive and putting out fires. 
We're going to be intentional about what we choose to do and not necessarily just because it's important to other people or it is something that we feel we should do, but we are going to be very intentional and we're going to choose what we spend our time on, which I don't think we give ourselves a lot of permission to be intentional. I absolutely agree. We do not. And we put this pressure on ourselves to always be moving towards this perfectionism in everything we value. And it doesn't work that way. You can't hit the bullseye all the time at the same time on all of your values. And it's that permissions you said to say, right now in my life, I am choosing to move towards my health. I'm choosing to really lean into that, define it, make space and time. And that means I may have to back away from something else for a little while. And then that's okay. It's very okay. And I often will say, look, your life is just as important as other people's lives. Your goals are just as important as other people's goals. We don't always have to be in that supportive role. Sometimes you should be able to pursue yours and somebody else help and support. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they are working on something or doing something. And then we do our part to support. It should be a give and take. It shouldn't be 100% somebody giving all the time, 100% somebody not giving any of the time. And so, and I realize that's an incredibly complex conversation and one that we're not going to be able to get into here. But I am curious, what do we say to our daughters? How do we help them, especially from a young age? Because I don't like the message that you can have it all because I don't, I don't think, number one, I don't know what having it all means, but I don't think it's healthy to even suggest that you get to get 100% of everything. But what do we say to our our daughters and our sons about, wait a minute, we've got to reframe this conversation a little bit. We can think of it as, you know, what do you want your relationship with yourself to be? Health is a key part of that. And we can include you know, proactive pieces with health, things like exercise and nutrition. We can include being on top of things like primary care and checking in. And then certainly when you do get sick, because we all do get sick, making sure that they know that it is okay to rest and to take care of yourself. And so there is this dichotomy of your health is a very active process and it will continue to change, right? As our daughters grow up, there are new things for them to explore. We continue having conversations with them. And so this is very active. And there's that rest and relaxation side of health that sometimes gets pushed to the side. It's just generically called self-care. Yes. Um, yes. It means light, light a nicely scented candle and you know something. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, our central nervous system in this society, and it's going to be true for our daughters and our sons, our central nervous system is always going to that stress side. That is where a lot of this culture lives, where it revs up that part of our body. We're on high alert and that is exhausting and it is not good for our health. So we need to give permission to say resting, relaxing, learning ways to do that, not just 
watching Netflix or, or lighting a candle, that those things are as important as going to the gym and lifting heavy weights. Absolutely. I saw a meme at one point that said something to the effect of, you know, there's nothing wrong with chocolate and candles and bubble baths, and there's not. But we also have to get better at creating lives that we don't want to constantly escape from so that we are making more conscious choices about building in boundaries and building in at least areas where we can take the foot off the gas a little bit. And that's part of the message that you know we need to be giving our children as well is sort of boundary and communication conversations. How do they determine their own boundaries? And then how do they communicate that? Whether it's there's something at work that's very much so in conflict with their health or in a partnership. But that piece of training is also crucial as we're helping them make changes. And that's really just talking about change on that individual level, not even getting into the necessary systemic change that we need for our children. Absolutely. So we've been talking about prioritizing our health without guilt, but sometimes there's a situation where folks kind of go out of their way to prevent others from even making positive changes, especially Mm -hmm. around health. So there's, I hear a lot of stories from different folks who are, for example, trying to lose weight. It doesn't have to just be around that. It could be stopping smoking. It could be about trying to get exercise. It can be about whatever that thing is. But sometimes we have people in our lives who live in our houses or our close friends who are saboteurs. The ones who are, you know, you think are really going to have your back. I have not had this particular issue, but I do know a lot of people who have. So they're trying to lose weight. They are not feeling good. They don't feel they can bring 100% to the table and they want to get strong. And their spouses or their kids are bringing home pizzas all the time, or they make really negative, nasty comments, or they're not being supportive at all. And in fact, often will say very negative comments to the effect of, I don't know why you're doing that. You never succeed. I don't know why you're doing that. Why would you even do that? Do you want to leave me? Uh, Did you meet somebody? I mean, it goes just often these very hurtful, terrible places. And it's something that I see and hear about a lot. And I really wanted to get into this because I think there's a lot of people who need help learning how to navigate this. Where do they even start? First, what do you think is going on there? Side story related to that, I've been working with a trainer for a couple months because I needed somebody as I'm getting back into this to show me how to not hurt myself. I say, as I sit here with a, with a broken <laughs> elbow, um, but to help Whoops. really train me, yes, <laughs> train me along the way. Um, yeah. And that was one of the first questions he asked me was, first of all, do you have a partner? And is your partner supportive of you being here? And I was intrigued by that question. And I said, yes, he is. And she said, you know, tell me a little bit more about why you asked me that. And he's been doing this for 20 years. He said that it is not uncommon, as you're talking about, for somebody to begin getting more activity in and to focus on their health and for their partner to push back, that it makes a major impact on what he can see in terms of their self-esteem while they're trying to make changes. Logistically, it's hard. And so I think part of what's going on is that people like the status quo, even if the status quo is not healthy. 
It is what they're used to. And that can be in relationship patterns. It can be in health patterns, but we go to the status quo. And then if there's change and any sort of stress with change, our brains and bodies lock back into, I don't want to give up the way things have been because at least I know what to expect. And then you have a partner or a friend or whomever it is who's trying to, in essence, shake that up, even if it's for a healthy reason. So there's that resistance to change that I think is part of it. You mentioned that, you know, why are you doing this? Or are you looking for somebody else? Or is there somebody else? And that's really that self-esteem piece of if I see that my partner getting healthier or is more focused on being proactive in something, they'll leave me or they're secretly judging me now because I'm not doing the things that they're doing. And these things can come out, as you said, in hurtful ways to try to make that partner stop the healthy changes. And also sometimes they can just come out hurtful because that partner doesn't know how to communicate that they're feeling insecure. Often obesity is very generational. Our health is often correlated with people who we hang out with. So if we hang out with active people, we're a little more active. If we surround ourselves with people who are more sedentary and go out drinking two or three nights a week and tend to eat unhealthfully, then that's what we tend to do too. So, I mean, our environment matters. I think we can safely say that. I think that there is a lot of fear when somebody decides to make a change and say, okay, look, our family is not very healthy. I'm worried about everybody, myself included. So I think we need to make some changes. And I think there's a lot of pushback from fear, but also because not everybody is in the same place regarding wanting to change, right? We know we can't change people. And if it's a mom who is making this decision and decides on behalf of the whole family, we're all going to get healthy. Well, that often doesn't go very well. Sometimes it does, depending on how it's approached, but it takes a lot for anybody to get to the point where they are seriously considering making any kind of behavior change and then acting on it. So maybe I am ready and I'm acting on it, but maybe the other three people in my house are not anywhere near the place that they are. So I think also everybody is in a different place in their lives about whether they think there is an issue, whether they want to change, and then get angry about somebody who is forcing a change upon them because. Mm -hmm. behavior change is hard enough under the best of circumstances. And then we have sometimes somebody makes a decision. In my case, as I often do, and it's one of my bad habits, is I tend to stay in my head and then I make a decision. And then I come home and I tell my husband after the fact, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> and he's like, are we going to mm -hmm. talk about this at all? Or have you decided? And I'm like, no, I've decided. And now I'm lucky. I have a wonderful spouse and he is incredibly supportive, but not everybody is going to be that generous. Indeed. And it can turn into really a battle for control. If one person is ready to change, another person isn't. And we know and agree behavioral change is tough. And there's good research showing you know, if somebody feels like there's a strong should to take a health action, if they feel pressured, if there's that external motivation, rather than that intrinsic drive to create health change. 
It is challenging and it doesn't last. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It does not. I always feel bad though, when I hear people who have been struggling for a long time with their health and they keep trying, they're not giving up. Mm -hmm. They are not giving up, but they just can't seem to garner much support at home. And I often get asked how to handle something like that. And you know, I don't have any real good answers, which is why I will turn it on to you and say, yeah. what do we say? What do we, what's yeah. a good place to start? And part of it, by the way, because I learned this in talking with a transformational coach a few weeks ago is to start with our values. And instead of it becoming, I said, you said, you hurt me, this hurts me. It's more about okay, let's talk about our values a little bit here because they seem to be clashing. And I think that's a really good approach because it takes it outside of the accusatory tones and the Mm -hmm. trying to hurt each other, but talking about Mm -hmm. a more kind of objective topic that might make it a little easier to even start a conversation. And less transactional if you're able to talk about values versus goals. We're going to be going to the gym as a family this many days a week versus Let's talk about what's important. Let's talk about, you know, how are you taking care of your health? Some of those things. So, I, you know, I think there's a, a number of things that you could do if you are getting pushback and you're trying to navigate it. And the first one is so important. And it's just creating a little bit of space to acknowledge that it is tough mm-hmm. because here's somebody is trying to change a behavior, which is challenging to do. And there's friction and pushback. So allowing yourself just a little bit of tender self-compassion to say, this is really challenging. Then doing what you brought up and it's tying it back to this challenging and what do I value? Why is it that I'm trying to do this? Perhaps if you're someone who's really education or data-driven, reminding yourself about You know, what's the scientific evidence for why I'm doing these things? What are the cognitive benefits? What are the physical benefits? So letting some of that inform your change as well as your values. And then depending on the relationship, possibly having that curious conversation, not the accusatory one, but the trying to get at the heart of with a curious mindset, why the partner or other person is pushing back. I think part of that conversation too for someone to consider is how is my health change impacting my partner? And by that, I mean, right, what are the logistics here? So am I in such tunnel vision about I'm focusing on my health right now that I don't see, well, then my partner has to take on a heavier load in other areas. And it doesn't mean you change your value. It just means you ask the questions and you acknowledge, is there logistics in this pushback? And then, you know, ultimately reminding yourself, this is what I need. Uh, Kristen Neff has a wonderful book that talks about protective self-compassion. And that means just checking in with how you're doing, remembering that, yes, other people's needs are important and so are yours. It's not an or, it's an and they're both important. And then finally, really committing and telling yourself, this is what I want in my life and I can give myself what I need. And if you're still really struggling, 
ask for help. Talk to you know, a mental health person at the gym, a couples counselor. It's not something that people have to navigate on their own. Uh, that is such important advice. One of the things I was thinking was it's not mutually exclusive, right? I mean, mm -hmm. just because I want to get healthier because maybe my A1C is starting to climb and mm -hmm. the time to do something about that is earlier than later. Is it because I can't play with the grandkids like I want to? So I need to start, I want to make more changes so I'll be around for a long time. And I think, you know, when it comes to children, especially because we know we have a really high level of obesity and diabetes in this country with children, I bet if we ask them, are there things that you would like to do that you just can't because of your weight? If parents ask that about their children, I think children would want to get on board too. Even if the kids push back because it's scary to them, they don't want to give up their pizza either. Nobody does. We all love it. But if it's reframed as I'm telling you, this is what we're doing versus, you know, I think I would like to do this, but gosh, you know, I just don't always feel good enough to do it. Is there anything that you feel that way about? And if they happen to say, well, you know, I can't do whatever. Boy, that's a much better place to start a conversation than just coming home and dictating that everybody now is, you know, on a diet. That's the way this yes. is going to play. Yeah, and getting them involved in, you know, modeling that it doesn't just mean eating, you know, lettuce and carrots if you're, yes. if you're changing your, your nutrition. Yes. You know, and get kids involved in the cooking so that you're spending time together. You aren't just ordering pizza. And I mean, all of this that I'm talking about too, and I just want to say with those comments, that's not the reality for every family, right? Some of these health choices, you know, are due to whether it's socioeconomic status, you talked about just this generational modeling, you know, the cost of things these days in terms of um, health. And so there is that other component that is sitting there, right? If you can do even small changes, get your kids involved, get your partner involved and figure out ways to make it fun and family-based, you're going to have better luck than this being one more thing that, you know, somebody's being told to do in a day. I agree with you. And I think it's opportunities for us to really learn about our partners and other members of our families. And while I know sometimes it looks like people aren't being supportive and sometimes they are not, as you said, sometimes there are some really important reasons why they are pushing back so strongly. And most of us as humans make a lot of assumptions as to what we think those things are. But if we don't ask them, and sometimes we don't say directly what's on our minds, sometimes it takes us a while to really get to what's going on. Those yeah. conversations are really important. And I think before we all just assume we know why somebody is or is not, that having those conversations will bring us a lot closer. And I think often we're quite surprised at what we find out being the base of the fear or the base of the pushback. And I love the idea of reaching out for help. I have a therapist. I talk to somebody regularly. I have a coach I talk to. Uh, I talk to my spouse a lot. I do so much better when I have more people helping me yeah. than if I'm doing it all by myself. 
I don't know anybody. And I know some amazing people, you included, my husband included, you know, I mean, I know some really incredible people with a lot of skills. That does not mean that you need to be skilled in everything. Being able to say, this is an area where I need help. You know, and in talking to psychologists, I liken it to seeing a, a trainer. If there are some things that you want to learn how to do, I could go into a gym, maybe figure some of them out, probably not be real flexible with them, and maybe over time make some gains. But for me, thinking about this as a short-term investment so that I'm learning skills, I can stop seeing them and then go off on my own. That's the same thing for a lot of people with talking to someone in mental health. You're going in and you're saying, here are some things that I'm struggling with. Can you help me learn some skills? Whether it's to put my, you know, my health value forward or to have a conversation with my partner, how to make time for any of these things. You can get the help with that. You're done seeing that person and you go and you implement them um, as long as you're open to just asking for a little bit of assistance. And I think that is an excellent place to end our conversation. Ashley, thank you so, so much for taking the time to come talk with us today. I think that a lot of people are going to really enjoy hearing this conversation because I think it's going to resonate with a lot of them. And so thank you for coming to talk with me and I hope that you'll do it again. I would absolutely love that. Thank you for inviting me and for you know focusing on men's health and then also bringing up the important point of what happens when there is friction or barriers that get in the way and that that barrier is is a partner or someone in your life. I think it's a hugely important question that's just not being discussed. Oh, thank you so much. A quick reminder that this podcast will be available on my website, GretchenHolmesPhD.com. Make sure you check it out. You'll find some valuable resources along with my previous podcasts. Feel free to drop me a line if you'd like. I'd love to hear from you. Finally, from me to you, remember to love and celebrate yourself now, today. Don't wait until you feel worthy. You already are. Loving yourself is the only way to good health. Until next time. This information on the podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice.